Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. And we're here to help you with any of the questions you might have about your baby or small child. Our expert today is sleep consultant, Joe Ryan. So you can ask your questions a number of ways. If you're watching us live via Facebook, pop your question below the video. And if you're listening to us via podcast, you can send an email through to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Joe, how are you? Very well, thank you. How Good are you? Good to see your face again. Thank you. Now that you're allowed out of your unit in Melbourne. <laughs> yes, yes. Great. We haven't been home at all. <laughs> You've got a lovely glow about you for those that can't see, those that are listening uh, via podcast. <laughs> Let's start with a question from Amanda. And I should mention as well, the other place you can ask questions is um, we have a helpline group on Facebook. So you can always post your questions there or direct mail us if that's what you'd like to do. So Amanda says, I have a six-month-old baby boy and I'm looking to get advice on sleep routines for nighttime. Our baby wakes every one to two hours um, during the night, sometimes to be resettled, sometimes for a feed. We formula feed and have now switched to hungry baby formula for the nighttime. He usually takes around 440 mils over a night and has already had approximately one litre plus three meals during the, during the day. Our current night routine is tea with family around 5 p.m. We then let that settle, sing, talk and play with him, then up for a bath around 6 p.m., followed by a baby massage. I want to be this little baby. Mm, <laughs> Sounds like right. I then take him back downstairs to feed him a bottle where he usually takes around 200 mils and is cuddled to sleep before being put down for the night in his cot in his own room. We have a sleep aid toy which plays white noise and have used scented baby pillow spray on his sheets. He goes to sleep at around 7 p.m., then is up every one to two hours and then eventually wakes at 4 a.m. <laughs> he has around a two-hour nap in the morning and a two-hour nap in the afternoon. He does have a dummy. However, he's not good at using this to soothe himself. I do think he's teasing at the, at the minute. However, he has always been a poor sleeper. Our health visitor says that some babies sleep, some don't, but I am worried he's not getting enough sleep. Is this normal and can I get him sleeping longer at night? Thank you so much for any advice. And that's from Amanda. Well, Amanda, absolutely you can get him sleeping some more at night. I mean, that's, that's terrible. You know, one to two hours is not waking, is not great for him. Uh, or you yeah. or anyone <laughs> dominantly him and you but anyone else in the house as well so what happens is that babies um get very attached to the way they're put to sleep so it sounds like she's cuddling him to sleep so he's falling asleep in her arms and she's putting him down while he's asleep now that will absolutely affect the way he sleeps not in a great way because every time he rouses so every time he goes into the lighter part of his sleep cycle his eyes kind of flick open as as all of ours do when we in that part of the sleep but we just don't read out we don't remember it but if his brain registers that he's somewhere different than where he was when he fell asleep so he's not in her arms anymore he will wake right up with a start and cry okay so the, the thing that we need to do is get him used to falling asleep in his bed rather than in her arms. And that should really help with the waking. It sounds to me that he's getting plenty of food and perhaps at, he, at six months with all that milk and, and he's on three solid meals a day from the sounds of things, that he really should only 
theoretically need one bottle a night of about 200 mils and I would sort of make that around sort of 4 a.m ish 3 to 4 a.m ish but look in in the interim while you're kind of working towards that I would keep two bottles a night maybe one around you know 11 12 and then one around you know four ish um, but between that I would resettle him in his bed but really really work on for his bedtime at sort of 6 37 p.m plus for his day naps getting him to fall asleep in his bed rather than in your arms and that will really really make a huge difference the dummy shouldn't be a problem you know the dummy can be a nice comfort thing i mean it can cause sleep problems but um i think i would start with the falling asleep in the bed and can i ask joe how long do you think it takes for the baby to kind of change the way they're sleeping like if you're going to take that mm. approach how mm. long should you go it at it it doesn't take very long as long as we are consistent and we're very we're giving them consistent messages about the way we're now doing this um, what happens is if we try and we start and then we stop and then we try again and start they get confused and the sleeping can go out the window but in my experience it can take about three you know as quickly as three days to maybe say three weeks you know would be the maximum I would think but within that time you should see this getting better it might be a bit slower but some babies take to it so quickly because in fact they're so tired and they want to sleep we've just got to show them okay you actually can fall asleep on your bed I'm going to be here so it's about patting him off to sleep in his cot rather than having him fall asleep in your arms and then gently reducing your intervention once you feel that he's getting it and he's not so distressed um and then pairing it back to the point where at some point he will be able to go in and, and put himself to sleep. That's what we're aiming for. Mm. Good luck with that, Amanda. Yeah. Our next question comes from our Facebook Live. And Tammy says, is there such a thing as a sleep regression stage at two and a half years? My good sleeper has turned into a bad sleeper. And uh, I understand we're asking what exactly a bad sleeper looks like for Tammy. But I guess could yeah. we start with that first question well I guess there's not really sleep regressions I guess but but for toddlers lots of things can affect their, the way they sleep so whatever's happening in their little world um, affects the way they sleep so if they've started childcare, if there's a new baby arrived in the house if you've moved house if there's some kind of stress going on you know um, a whole lot of things and sometimes we don't even know you know maybe it's just whatever they're perceiving as some kind of change um, often affects sleep you know by this stage I would think the kind of separation anxiety and that sort of thing should have passed but obviously those things can be triggered again by starting childcare you know mum going back to work you know a whole lot of things that might trigger this so so there's not a sleep like an official sleep regression but these things happen along the way throughout childhood um, so, yeah, I mean, ways of dealing with that is just trying to have a good rich routine and ritual around bedtime um, that, you, you know, that the child is staying in their bed overnight, that you go to them and you reassure them and whatever they need, but then kind of to kind of keep things as they were, keep them in their bed. Um, but obviously they may need some reassurance during that time. But just um, and, and having good sleep hygiene, as they call it, which means, you know, that you have a good bedtime ritual, that they're not going to bed too late, 
that you know they they understand what it means around bedtime like what you're expecting of them um those sorts of things are really helpful we have some extra information tammy says she was sleeping all by herself from 6 p.m till 6 a.m but no change and she screams and vomits and was patted to sleep which she never did um i just want to ask joe just because i have been doing helpline for many years now and with my own kids um would the daytime nap have anything to do at this stage with how they're sleeping at night? Yeah, totally. I mean, if, if they're getting too much sleep in the day, sometimes that can then affect the way they sleep at night and they might be awake for long periods, either overnight or very resistant to going off to sleep. Or if they've dropped their daytime nap, you know, or reduced it significantly or resisting it so they're not really having it, then that means they're very tired when they go to bed, which can also affect the way they sleep, which can do the same. They both look the same, whether they're overtired or not tired enough sort of thing. So I think it, it, it could be a matter of just looking at her day, you know, tweaking things. Maybe she needs more sleep in the day. Maybe she doesn't need sleep, but she might need to come back to bed a bit earlier if she's a bit overtired, things like that. You know, obviously it's very hard and toddlers um you know have these very extreme moods and screaming and vomiting i mean the vomiting is very distressing for everybody but my advice around children and babies that vomit is you you have to obviously comfort them and 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 you know clean them and but just do it very calmly without too much fuss so it's not a big oh my god you know um it's just like okay have all that ready beside the bed you know in the evening so that you don't have to create a big thing about you know cleaning her up or whatever but obviously you know if we can get her before she vomits like get in there kind of reassure her calm her down it should pass i mean um but as i say try not to do too much like Patting her to sleep is, a, is is quite a strong thing. So if you feel that you can, you know, reduce that a bit and maybe just leave your hand on her or sit beside the cot and shush her or whatever, things like that can really help just reduce that intervention, get back to where you were. It's interesting. She says she does nap for an hour but never past two. So that doesn't sound like... She's that doesn't sound terrible, no. Mm. But, you know, I don't know, like maybe it's just... The time of the year you know maybe we're all a bit exhausted maybe yeah. maybe try just putting it to bed half an hour earlier or you know see what happens and and you know i mean these things are just triggered like i say by some some things that are obvious and some things that are not obvious mm. um so she just might need a little bit of reassurance for a while um but like i say try to keep it sort of as minimal as you can and then when you feel she's getting um, back to not or back to her old ways then kind of get yourself gently out of the room and back to where you, what you were doing before okay good luck with that tammy we have a question from fiona from our email she says just wondering if joe has any recommendations on the type or brand of pillows for a three-year-old who moves around quite a bit in bed there are so many out there it gets very confusing Wow. Well, I have no idea about brands of pillows. Um, I would recommend, though, something kind of quite flat, I would imagine, um, or even no pillow, you know. I mean, three-year-olds don't really need a pillow, but obviously it depends on if the child's moving around a lot and kind of sleeping on their sides or their tummies even. I tend to have something quite flat or no pillow. 
mm. until they're kind of a bit more sort of settled in the night I think I don't know do you well do when you were saying pillows? well yes but it's funny when you were saying that because I, I reckon my children have the weirdest ways of sleeping like I look they do have pillows but they don't they have pillows because they like having the pillows on top of them or they like cuddling right. them or, yeah. and they do um, tend to move about a bit. And yeah. I just think, thank goodness they're so flexible because how can you be comfortable lying like that in bed? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't, I, I mean, they've, they've both always, uh, I think, moved quite a bit when they sleep, but it doesn't stop them sleeping. No. So it was no. never a problem. It was never something that woke them up, only when they were very little and they used to hit the cot sides or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, to the on your point, I don't know that would affect. She she hasn't said that it's affecting the way they're sleeping at all. They're just moving around no, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I would just like I say have something that's quite flat, not too kind of you know voluminous or you know fluffy. Yes, yes. something quite flat. Just that that you know it just sits there and and then they can move around without sort of you know getting stuck under it all. Yeah, and just remember they might look really uncomfortable, but they're probably in the most blissful. Yes, they, they do go into very deep sleep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's still which... that flexibility that we no longer mm. have as adults, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> if we spend too long in one position, I'm like, can't move the other way, can't get up in the morning. Pins and needles in your hands and it's all terrible. Uh, we have a question from Tracy on the Facebook Live. Do you have any tips on moving my almost three-year-old out of her cot and into a bed? Um, okay, well, almost three is good. I'm always, I'm for like the later the better, you know. I want them to be ready and also kind of uh, want to do it, you know. Um, also moving them when they're too little, they kind of lose that sense of containment and security that a cot provides, particularly because that's all that, if that's all they've known, you know. Um, so I would just kind of do it gently, talk about it, you know, if you have it in the bedroom with the cot, you know, um, uh, you know, don't just kind of dismantle the cot and now here you go, here's the bed. You know, I think it should be a gradual uh, so that they have buy-in, they feel like they've got some say in it, they want to do it, you know, um, and just do it gently. You know, do you want to sleep in the bed tonight or you could do the stories on the bed, you know, and then into the cot and then do do things gradually. I think are, it's always a much better option for toddlers so that, you know, they're not shocked by the change. Cool. Good luck, Tracy. This one is from our Facebook inbox. Lacey says, "Hi, I'm wondering the best ways to help my five best ways to help my five year old with fears. It's been going on for a while, but just as I think she's getting better, something else pops up that bothers her. For example, she will not play in a room by herself. Will not go to the toilet if someone is not in her sight. So obviously, a fear of being by herself." One that has recently popped up is fear of the shadow her bed makes at night on her wall. She has a nightlight, so there is a reflection. She has been in this bed for over two years, but all of a sudden the shadow is now an issue. This has made her want to go under her doona to sleep. She will fight us about changing anything in her room to make that shadow go away. So please don't suggest any solutions in the room as we have tried everything. Yeah. It's driving us mad as we want to sleep, but she just doesn't want us to help it has affected her sleep as sometimes she will wake and see the shadow and then will call for us to help her back under the doona this is not ideal for anyone so I'm really hoping for a solution here yeah look it, it is hard because obviously you know for young children their imaginations 
um, which is something we love about, you know, and we want to encourage, can, you know, um, kind of go a bit crazy and a bit wild. And particularly if she's reading things that have witches or ghosts or, you know, things that can create, stir up imagination. And bedtime and nighttime are obviously those times where those things are really heightened. I mean, I remember I was terrified of, of the dark you know I hated you know and I thought I'd see things you know so I mean I think we just need to kind of be um, supportive and reassuring but try not to negate what she's feeling like for her that's an actual fear like um, and I mean I would again it's good to have buy-in from the child so that they feel like they have some say so I would say what do you want us to do you know um, and like, I'm sure they've done this. It's, they've, she says they've tried everything, but you know, obviously the nightlight is um, a problem. So moving the nightlight or changing the nightlight or maybe having the door ajar with the nightlight off so that, that, you know, there is no shadow cast from the nightlight or putting it in a different place of the room. And I'm sure she's done all this and I'm just telling her stuff. She's, she's there going, yeah, we tried all that. Um, but I would also just sit down and say, what do you want us to do? You know, and obviously explain that, you know, the waking calling out in the night is not helpful because everyone's tired. So what can we do as a family to make that better? I mean, also understand that from her point of view, I mean, she's five, so she's getting there, but they still don't have a great understanding of how their behaviour is affecting other people. Um, but, you know, just saying it makes us feel like this or we're very tired. We feel very tired in the morning when you wake up. So how, how can we make that better for all of us so none of us are tired? You know, having those sorts of conversations around it. I mean, I mean it's the a risk normal thing. Yeah, and I was going to say my my kids have definitely had those. My daughter had that fear about going to the bathroom on her own, or um, even still, and she's eight. If I leave the room suddenly, she'll be like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "I'm going to the toilet." Is that okay? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that I, I don't see that. As, I mean, look again. I'm not a psychologist, but I that's very common for my children. But and at the risk of really annoying you, Lacey, um, because you did say that you've tried everything. Have you added anything to the room? Because my daughter is afraid of the dark and we got um, fairy lights. And if you put fairy lights in a certain place, it might it might get rid of that shadow. Yeah. And I used to be, uh, when we got those fairy lights and she wanted me to keep them on, I wasn't sure about that because I thought, well, you're never going to go to sleep if they're on. But she does. Mm. And, and they're quite bright. So I wonder if, um, Lacey, at, you're probably throwing stuff at the screen right now, but I wonder if adding something like fairy lights mm. um, yeah. could help. But Yeah. No, I think that that's good. I think, you know, it's, it's hard to, to kind of, if she's very resistant on making change, but, mm. you know, coming up with a little plan or maybe drawing the room out and like, where can we put this and what can we do here? And, you know, maybe have, having a little game of like, let's redecorate, you know, and change mm. things around a bit, move the bed even if that helps and see, see how that helps. Yeah. Mm. Well, good luck. Hope somewhere in there, Lacey, there is something that can help you. Yes. We, we have a question from Elena. Uh, from Facebook. She says, hi, I returned to work at the beginning of July and placed my two-year-old and four-year-old into childcare. They both loved it and are thriving. They go every Tuesday and every Thursday, but for the past four weeks, my two-year-old's behavior on a Friday and only on a Friday has gotten extremely bad. 
He's hitting, biting and throwing things and causing injuries to his sister. I am so unsure what to do. Childcare says that he hasn't flipped out like this there and he's perfectly fine on Monday and Wednesday. He sleeps well after care, so I don't think it's a factor of tiredness. Do you have any tips on how to negate this difficult time? I'm beginning to lose my mind. So I would say that it is about tiredness, unfortunately. I think it is. And even though, you know, you feel that they're sleeping okay, childcare is exhausting. It is exhausting. So they're going Monday and Wednesday and they're home Friday. Is that what she said? Uh, yeah, I got a bit lost with that. Um, just bear with me. Um, they go uh, 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 Tuesday and every Thursday. For childcare. Okay. Hmm. And Friday they lose it. Well, you know, we all yeah. lose it on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> I mean, I do. Yes. <laughs> You know, it's the end of the week and, and kids, you know, there's a lot of built up kind of energy and exhaustion and Friday afternoons are hard in, in a lot of people's homes, I'm sure. So, you know, on those days of childcare, I would be kind of allowing for um, an earlier bedtime. I would make sure. And I remember I visited one family and they had their kids went to bed, all of them, like they were between the ages of sort of five and two that on childcare days, they're all in bed at 5.30, you know, because wow. just, I know, I know, because they're just, so like, they're just exhausted. I know I was very impressed. But I think just allow that even though you're saying he's napping fine, but just be aware that childcare just exhausts children. Not only is the activity, but it's also the emotional stress that they experience. You know, they're away from home. There's children. They're trying to, you know, for some children, they in bed. Uh, embody that emotional stress and then it all just comes out in a you know in a, a, a big meltdown mm. so I would recommend that on those childcare days maybe bed a bit earlier Friday afternoons maybe Fridays a bit early you know keep Fridays a bit low-key make sure there's not too much activity that it's maybe a stay-at-home day to just kind of everyone can just re relax and you know chill out um Keep it on the down low. That's what I would do. <laughs> I love it. Keep it on the down low. Mm. For a minute there, I forgot what day it was and I thought it was Friday. I know. It kind it of feels like Friday, Sunday morning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that time of the year. Everyone's like just yeah. crawling towards Christmas. Totally. Totally. Uh, so that's something to figure, think of as well. Like I remember um, with my kids when, so my son's been in kindy this year and I remember when my daughter started kindy by this time of the year she was just so tired and you and I was like oh that makes sense and I'd completely forgotten the year my son's had and we're all so tired in the house yeah and yeah, it's been totally. a crazy all my year friends, yeah all my friends with children at school even the older ones are like oh my god we're just crawling to the finish line everything is hard the kids don't want to get up they don't want to get dressed you know no. they come home they have a meltdown you know, it's very normal behaviour. And for a little thing who's trying to cope with all of that, you know, mm. um, that's that's what I would suggest is going on. So just, yeah, let's just mm. kind of make it to the holidays. Into, yeah, that's right. That's right. Good luck. Yeah. We have one last question. This is from Amy on Facebook Live. She says, hi there. I have a two and a half year old who goes to bed amazingly, no dummy or bottles, but still won't sleep through the night and has never slept through. I've had sleep consultations and sleep school, but still no help. 
I'm waiting for her adenoid surgery, which we are he- hoping will help. I'm battling on the lack of on with lack of sleep, but it's getting hard. We have even gone down the road of herbal home remedies and oils, which doesn't seem to help. She doesn't necessarily wake up crying. She just wanders into our room to wake me up and never my husband. Oh, thank you, darling. I don't want to wish this time away, but I'm looking for the light at the end of my tired tunnel. Do you have yeah. any suggestions? And that's from Amy. Amy, that's exhausting. Two and a half years of no sleep. It's pretty hardcore. Um, look, hopefully, fingers crossed, the adenoid surgery will help because there's not a lot you can do uh, if she's got some kind of sleep apnea caused by enlarged adenoids that is causing her to wake. A lot of young children do have that. Um, she's a bit of a snorer or whatever. That's kind of a dead giveaway. They just can't get into a nice sleep. Um you know, I think other things you can try, I'm sure Amy's tried them all over the past couple of years, but um, is, I don't know what Amy does when she comes and wakes her up. Does she take her back? You know, I would send her back now if you can, or just walk her back very quietly. Don't, no talking, no palaver. It's nighttime, you need to stay in bed. Two and a half year olds, they're still quite little, so you can't really offer incentive or reward you know overnight they're just not going to be interested in that um <laughs> they're just not dang um or yeah also kind of uh if she's waking every night then she's probably a bit tired as well which so you know that kind of accumulates so make sure she's going to bed early like seven sleep by seven to make sure she's getting enough of that deep sleep Um, which can actually help. I know it's a bit counterintuitive, but sleep does promote sleep. So the more they have, the more they want. Um, And again, like I talked about earlier, good sleep hygiene. So bedtime rituals, making sure she's going to bed at the right, at the same time every night, early enough. Um, You know, all those things can really help. Um, I do hope that the surgery is really going to help as well. And and that you will get some sleep. You've got a lot coming your way. At the very least, you might be able to sleep on those uncomfortable beds next to your daughter after she's had her Johnson's yeah. adenoids out. Oh, Sorry, my son had tough. his adenoids out. And yes, they're not great, those beds. Good luck, no. Amy. I hope that yeah. improves for you. Look, I did say that was the last one, but I'm going to try and squeeze one last one in. This is from Fern. She says, my 18-month-old granddaughter has difficulty hearing the word no. She will flop to the floor and bang her face or the back of her head. We've been told to ignore it, but it's so alarming and we're concerned about her hurting herself. She's been doing this for several months. Okay, so I don't buy into the ignoring of that kind of behaviour because obviously it just goes on. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, for some children that works, but for a lot of children it doesn't work. And so I think comforting and, and reassuring, but, but maintaining your boundary. So whatever it might be that she's, you've said no to, like let's say no to the, the biscuit, you know, sorry, no, you, you can't have biscuit. She stops the floor. You can sit by her and protect her and cuddle her and say, I know that it's hard. I can see you're very upset but we can't have a biscuit because we're about to have lunch or whatever it might be, you know? So, and, and offering that sort of reassurance and naming the feeling like I see you're upset. I can see you're angry. I know that you don't want this, but we, this is why we do that helps. You know, I'm not going to say that it's going to be some miracle cure, um, but I do find that it's, 
you know, they still go through the tantrums. That's just what they do. It's her way of just pushing back, you know. All of a sudden she's realised she can push back. So it's like, I want it. And again, toddlers can't see anyone else's point of view other than their own. Why won't you give me that? So just voicing those things can help speed that process up so that she'll get through the tantrums. But yeah, I would I would prefer to be comforting her and protecting herself, protecting her from hurting herself rather than just letting her go wild. Yeah. Well, um, that's all we have time for, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting and helping everyone out. And I'll just let you know if you um, have been listening and thinking, oh, I need more than a couple of minutes with Joe. Joe is one of our experts on babyology's parent school, and you can book a one-on-one consult with Joe. There'll be links in the notes of this Facebook. Uh, live and also in the podcast so just click on that and you can find joe it's a much easier process i think when you can talk back and forth Um, and we also have experts that can talk about things like breastfeeding introducing solids toddler behavioral challenges so if you need some guidance with things we've got plenty of experts to help you out joe uh, we will see you soon thank you so much see you you next week everyone bye-bye Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.